this morning, I want to chat around a subject that, uh, that has been on my mind and um, I think it's something that as, as, as Christians, sometimes we, we don't understand what God is saying to us in a season or what it is that God requires of us. Now, I don't know about how many of you, but I love, I love F1 racing, I love um, watching those F1 cars, it's fantastic. Uh, but yesterday I was watching just the, the practices and, you know, and um, I kept on, they kept on speaking about, you know, they've actually replaced the power unit, they've got to replace the power unit, they've got to replace the power unit. And I, I don't know that much about engines, but um, I started to realize that every time they upgraded the power unit, you know, there was more power and there was more, you know, grunt in the thing. We also know that, you know, if, if the power unit breaks, the car's going to drive, but it's got no power. It's like riding into your Atala, it's nothing. All right? So, and, and I thought about this, and I thought, you know, God, I think this is where the church is right now. And this is my struggle with church life at the moment, is that over the last 18, 19 months during COVID, we've almost come to a place where we've lost the power of, of God. We've lost the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. You know, somehow along the line, I, I watched Ella Bain, she's now started eating a couple of solids, you know. But she's got no teeth, so she gums it, you know. She just, she just gums the poor carrot until there's nothing left of it. And I just thought about this, I thought, you know, maybe the church is there. You know, maybe we're in a season right now where we're just gumming it, you know. Where, where we almost haven't got that power, we haven't got what God has called us to. And we're not walking the fullness that God has for us. And 21 years ago, 21 and a half years ago, when I, when I came into the ministry, the first word um, that God gave me <coughs> was like in 1 Corinthians, and I think you all know the scripture, but I'm going to read it to you. There's something that I wrote down on a piece of paper, and I stuck it on the inside of my cupboard, and I think it was there for 20 years. I actually don't know what happened, but it was there for 20 years, just stuck to my cupboard. So every time I open my cupboard, I would read this verse. And it's Paul writing, he's writing the church of Corinthians. And I think we all need to just grab a hold of what has been said. But it goes on like I said, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come to you with excellent speech of wisdom or declaring to you the testimony of God. For I am determined not to know anything amongst you except Jesus and Him crucified. And I was, I was with you in weakness and I was with you in much trembling and fear. And my, this is what the scripture I wrote down in my book it says, And my speech and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words of humans and wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power, that your faith may not be held in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I wrote that there because I said to God, you know, the word of God simply says there, that, that God has given us His Holy Spirit, that you and I can operate in power. And, and Paul writes, he says, I don't want to come here with a great sermon, and I don't want to come here with a great word of worship, and I don't want to come here because... You know, you just need to be in church. What he says is that the thing that I'm interested in more than anything is the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. Because the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power will confirm who Christ is in my life. Thank you. Two amens. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit will give testimony of who Christ is in your life. And I'm saying that again, so I want us to get a hold of what has been said there. Paul carries on and he writes and he says, um, God in his mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained for the age of glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. 
For, for had they known that they would not have crucified the Lord, he clearly said, all right, and he quotes Isaiah that says, but it is written, I has not seen nor ears heard nor entered the mind of the heart the things which God has prepared for those that he loves. Okay, now the two aliens. Okay, I'm going to preach to this idea. You guys seem a little bit more on fire. That's like, boy, you're not going to see the guys, okay? So we, we're just going to preach to this side. But listen carefully to what that word of God says. It says this, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered the heart of a man the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. It's an incredible scripture because God, the word of God says that God has prepared something for you as a believer. God has prepared something for you as a person. And the word of God says the eyes are not going to be able to understand it and our minds are not going to get around it and our ears cannot conceive what God is going to do. But He's going to do something amazing in and through your life. Why? Because you prepared, He says, but God has revealed them to us, His Spirit. Uh, His, His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And so He says that He's revealed the purpose and the plan and the calling that He has for us through His Holy Spirit. And I often wonder, is the Holy Spirit something that we just speak about? Or is the Holy Spirit an active part of your life? And, and I need to push this this morning. Because I, I promise you that I, and I'll say this every single time and I'll say it again. Because I know that God's preparing something for the church. Through this pandemic, I'm telling you now, we're going to come out better at the end of the day. But listen to the Lord of God says a very simple thing. In the Holy Spirit, he says this, it's not going to be by might or power, but it's going to be by my spirit. It's not going to be by human understanding. It's not going to be because we're cool and we, we love Jesus. He says it's going to be demonstrated. The world will see the glory of the risen King through miracles, signs, wonders, through the Holy Spirit of God. He carries on in 1 Corinthians, I'll go a little bit back. Verse 14, chapter 8. And he says this, for as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So what is he saying? He says, if you truly, if you are truly a child of God, if you're truly a daughter of God, if you're truly a son of God, Paul writes, there's only one thing that will clarify whether you're a son of God or not, is this, that you're led by the Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit has become something failure in the church. We actually just want him for signs, wonders, and miracles. You know, in the olden days, uh, we were just measure the anointing of the Holy Spirit in the church about how many people spoke in tongues. You know, the tongues died out for a season, you know. And then all of a sudden it was how many people fall over the altar call. And I remember pastors videoing people falling all over the altar call like, wow, this is the real move of God. The fact is this, I said to people, you better get off that floor changed or you better stay down there. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't waste what he has, he doesn't waste the power of God in someone that has to play church. And if, and if you hit the ground and nothing's changed, you stay down there until he changes you. Because if you are led by the Spirit of God, he says, this is what people see. He says, and, says, and the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself bears witness. The Holy Spirit of God testifies about your life and your relationship with God. Amen. Sure. Sure. I'm 
And it might sound weird to you now, but how many of us in this room take time to fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Honestly. You know, we pray these prayers. We pray these, um, um, Christian, what did that face of to our someone? As I believe I get a, I get a spotlight in my work. Um, when it, when it comes, when I speak about practicing these prayers, it's a time of prayer. It's a time of prayer. You see, for most people, prayer, a prayer is this thing where a God in need is a God indeed. We quickly want to pray when, when we're not happy. We quickly want to pray when, when our marriage is falling to pieces or the bank wants to repossess the house or one of the kids are sick, you know, or, or you sick or you think you've got COVID. Then we quickly want to pray. But it's a prayer that is thrown out there. It's not a thing of we're practicing His presence. It's not a thing of, well, I put time aside to fellowship with the Holy Spirit today. I put time aside to fellowship with my Savior and my King. Most of our prayer life is just a passing, fleeting moment. And 90% of the time, it's us asking for something. We need of Him. But somehow, we don't want to find ourselves in His presence. It's almost like, you know, we want to just stand behind the door and not open the door but speak to him on the inside of the room. And we don't understand that if you do not practice his presence and you do not practice your prayer life, you will slowly but surely drift away from God and I can guarantee you that. I don't know about you, my wife speaks to me. Now the secret is this woman, that if you do not make contact with your husband, we switch off. So when you ask me something, why you walk into the kitchen, then going to the lounge, and ending up in the briary, and she's still speaking, and I don't know words that you left the door. Thank you, brother. Baby, amen. Look at us in the eyes when you speak to us, because the minute you turn, we go off. It's gone. I know we can multitask, but you know, we can, we can only focus on what we see. And this is with our prayer life. You know, this is what we do. We spend time and we love God and we just love what He's doing. And before we know it, we are drifting so far away from Him that we're not even hearing what He's saying anymore. You know, we don't hear what the purpose of the plans that He has for us. We don't get excited about what God wants to do in our life because we don't practice His presence. We don't practice what He wants in our life. The O, the hand of prayer, stands for obedience. It is the single most important thing in your life that you need to walk out as obedience to God. How many of you have sat in a robot and God says, pray for this man? You guys put the music louder. <laughs> hey, come on, just get out of your car and go pray for that guy in the wheelchair. <laughs> you know, all the robots are in, we're going to go, go on the screen, the screen, we're going to go. Why? Every one of you hear the Holy Spirit in your lives. Every one of you hear the ushering of God in your life. Every one of you know when it is you need to pray. When you get that horrible feeling in the middle of the night, what do you do? You don't know what to pray for, but you start to pray. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God is bringing to you. You can understand, without obedience, there's nothing. That if we cannot be obedient to God, be obedient to God's Word, and live according to the Word of God, what are we doing? I mean, we all perish, most of us. We know what happens when our kids are not obedient. They frustrate us. When they get to 15, they know everything. When they get to 16, they do know nothing. When they get to 23, oh, please help me. 
It's obedience. It's acting on the word of God. It's acting on the promises of God in your life. It's acting on the purpose of God as for you. That is what obedience is. You need to act on it. You need to act in your Christian faith. We not just got saved because we need to go to hell. We don't want to go to hell. Most of us do. I did. I gave my life to God 37 times. You know, when the God preached about, if you die tomorrow, where are you going to? I'm going to Jesus. Hey, Marky. From the age of 16 years old, every exam we gave our life to Jesus. You know? Father, just love you. Just stand in the principal's office. Like, oh, we love you so much. Of course, I'm very We know what it's about. We can. We can play this Christian thing. We can do all the right things and say all the right things and do all that looks so Christianese. And it all looks so fantastic. But at the end of the day, the Word of God says, what it's saying in 1 Corinthians, that the Spirit of God will testify to those around us who we really are. The third thing, the W that I spoke about, is worship and the Word. Let me tell you something. You need the Word of God more than ever in your life. You see, in 1 Corinthians, actually we turn there, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8, I am Corinthians, sorry, 1 verse 18, uh, is it verse 8, am I right? I'm not going to find it now. But, but the Word of God simply says this, that the Gospel is foolish to those who do not understand it. And I thought about this the other day because somebody wrote a nice big Christian post on Facebook and one, one guy turned around and his comment was, but the Bible is a story, it's a fable, it's not real. And I thought about that, I thought about that, give it a minute, I thought about that. Because you know when you open a book and it starts, well, what in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. And you think about it, you know, it's like a bit crazy, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden there's a garden and then there's animals, you know, and then there's a tree we can't eat, and then all of a sudden David is killing a, a 12 foot giant with a slingshot, you know. And we read all of a sudden, wow, is this stuff real? Is it... But until you've encountered God, you're not going to understand that. Until God has proved Himself real in your life, until you see the power of God, until you see healings and signs and wonders and miracles, when you see God do stuff and you experience the presence of God, then all of a sudden the word becomes alive to you. It doesn't become a fable. It doesn't become a storybook. And you cannot read it as a storybook. You cannot read it as a fable. You've got to read it as, as a, what, a manual to life. You see, we can't just go into our little app and go, well, scripture today, oh, Jonah, Jonah, Joshua, what was not? Be strong and righteous, never not to you. And we think, that's it, that's enough. I've read my Bible verse for the day, praise the Lord, I'm covered in the blood of Jesus, no weapon formed against me will prosper. But all we did was you just flicked over our app and just read the last scripture that was there. And we haven't got into the Word of God. You see, the Word of God says that when it comes to worship, it says that the worship is the thing that breaks the yoke of bondage over your life. He says that it breaks the spirit of heaviness. He says the word of heaven, the psalmist actually writes, says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, I haven't got a voice. I was, I was, I was robbed there of hearing a voice, you know? But, but there's something about just worshiping God that breaks yokes and bondages. You know, when we go through our difficult patches, and, and even in our, in our own home, when we go through difficult things in church life and things we've got to face, I tell you, there's nothing that helps you tell myself more than when we wake up in the morning, we switch on the TV, 
put it on YouTube and we just put it on worship. You know, from six o'clock that worship is playing, it probably doesn't work. It's just it's playing in the house. There's something that happens, there's something that shifts when you start to understand the power of the word and you understand the power of worship. And we need to get a hold of that. The E in power stands the Ecclesia. There's an importance when we speak about the Ecclesia, we speak about the gathering of the saints. And let me tell you something, there's something important about gathering together here. Whether you like it or not, there's something different about corporate worship and about sitting on your bed watching TV. I actually watch online how many people actually skip the worship and then only come on when the sermon's on. And I understand there's data and that kind of stuff, but praise and worship is an integral part of who we are. You know, I think God has called us to be worshippers before He called us to be preachers. Busy with these things. 
You ask anybody here. You ask anybody here that has fallen. You ask anybody here that has no relationship with God at the moment. You speak to anybody here, hey, that has gone through a tough time or you just moved away from God for some other reason. Before you know it, you're involved in things you should never be involved in. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is not nurturing you anymore. Because you've left him behind. There isn't that awareness in your mind, hey, something needs to change. I can't carry on like this. I can't carry on doing what I'm doing. Because I'm bringing destruction to myself and everyone around me. So we've got to get that place quickly. One, where it's got to be about our prayer and about practicing His presence. <coughs> Write that down. Two, we've got to get to the place where we learn to become obedient to God and obedient to God's Word. W, we will say it's got to be about the Word and it's got to be about worship. It's got to be a time where God wants to shift and change things in your life and in my life. The Ecclesiastes, we're gathering together. It's important that we gather together. I mean, just Friday night again, and I know I want to speak about it, but you know, it was, it was amazing just to see what four, five hundred people just coming in between office five and office eight, just coming in by the supper. I just saw families hugging and kissing each other, and like, wow, so good to see you. I haven't seen you for so long. There was this real sense of unity that builds every time we just connect. And we don't realize how we've missed people, you know, people, kids are dedicated. I saw on Friday night and now walking. Yeah. You know, and I haven't seen them since, since they were born. But they're walking around and I'm like, okay, is that the same child? Oh, okay. There's importance in the gathering. And lastly, release revival. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to bring about a change in your life. And I want to close with this scripture again in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, But God has revealed them to us in through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows, the things of man, except the Spirit, the man which is in him. Even now, one knows the things of God, except the Spirit of God. And now I have received the Holy Spirit, not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit of Him who is from God, that we might know the things that we have been freely given to us in Christ Jesus. What an awesome way to end it. That everything I spoke about this morning is for free. It doesn't cost you anything. It'll cost you time. And let me tell you something. There's no better place to be than in His presence. I think when we become people in His presence, when we become people that I really want to get to know my God, things start to change. You see, it's one thing to know about God. It's another thing to know God. And to spend time in His presence. To spend time in worship. To spend time in the Word. To spend time fellowshipping with one another. To spend time sharing the Gospel and spreading the good news out there. Let me tell you something. Revival is never going to happen in a church. Because I tell you, revival has always been designed to happen in the streets. You can say what you want to. The Word of God says that all... And Peter used to walk and people used to be healed just in his shadow. And we want it all to happen here. Because we're terrified of what this will look like when we carry what we carry here outside of the world. You've been freely given every good gift for life. The Holy Spirit is there to receive. You shall receive power when the Spirit of God comes upon you. I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you today. Discover the Holy Spirit and you will discover power. I don't know about you, but I would do anything to get to a place with the Holy Spirit that where I walk, people have been healed in my shadow.
possible because it's happened before. I would do anything to be able to walk up to a gravesite after three days and just say, dig it up because it's coming out. You know, I know that because it's been done before. And the word of God says this in closing. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now within you. That everything that Jesus did, you can do. Stop worrying about people. Stop worrying about what people think. Stop worrying about making mistakes. Stop worrying about saying the wrong thing. Stop worrying about saying the wrong words. It doesn't matter. The word of God knows that that whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you see, whatever you hear, God will work all things for the good in your life. To those who love and believe in Him and who are called according to His purpose. Amen. Amen.